Good morning, everyone. For one moment, I thought Charles was preaching. <laughs> Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Numbers chapter 29, verse 39. This you shall offer to the Lord at your appointed feast in addition to your vow offerings and your free will offerings. The sacrifices offered by priests during this appointed feast are largely burnt offerings and sin offerings along with their stipulated grain offerings and drink offerings. Now, two other kinds of offerings are also mentioned in this verse. Of special interest here are the vow offerings, which anticipates our next topic in Numbers chapter 30. You see, in times of crisis, people often call out to God. Their prayers sometimes take the form of a vow or a pledge. Oh God, if you help me, then I will do this for you or give this to you, or abstain from this, a vow, a pledge. Scriptures provide many examples. Consider Jacob when fleeing his brother Esau. Genesis 28, verses 20 to 22. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Now this is the first vow uttered in the Bible. God later recalled the vow when he sent Jacob back to his father's house, blessing him with many people and possessions. Chapter 31, verse 13. Consider Israel when faced with the prospect of war. Numbers chapter 21, verse 1 and 2. When the Canaanite, the king of Arad, who lived in the Negev, heard that Israel was coming by the way of Avarim, his fought against Israel and took some of them captive. Verse 2, And Israel vowed a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed give these people into my hand, then I will devote their cities to destruction. You see, desperate situations often lead people to utter vows to God. In this instance, Israel honoured their oath, as we will see later. But others had unthinkingly made rash promises to God. Consider Jephthah when preparing to confront the Ammonites. Judges chapter 11, verse 30 and 31. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will give the Ammonites into my hand, then whatever comes out from the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the Ammonites shall be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. Jephthah's daughter 
his only child, was the first to meet him on his return. Rightly or wrongly, he offered her up as a burnt offering. Vows are sometimes dedicatory in nature. Consider Hannah when seeking a child. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11. And Hannah vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. Hannah dedicated her yet conceived child to the Lord. She imposed on herself the Nazirite vow, which she will have to honour till her son is presented to the Lord. Now, vows, all such vows, are voluntary. They could be made by any person, male or female. Vows are binding. Once uttered, they must be honoured. My entering into full-time Christian service was the result of a vow. I could still recall a pastor friend warning me, honour what you promise God, fulfil it. The Bible warns us in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 4 and 5, when you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than you should vow and not pay. Vows are serious matters. They aren't mere words. You may have forgotten the vows that you have uttered, but God remembers them. With this background in place, let's turn to this morning's Bible text. Numbers chapter 30, verse 1 to 16. Follow along with me as I read this, this chapter. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Numbers 30, verse 1. Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes of the people of Israel, saying, This is what the Lord has commanded. If a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. If a woman vows a vow to the Lord and binds herself by a pledge while within her father's house in her youth, and her father hears of her vow and of her pledge by which she has bound herself and says nothing to her. Then all her vows shall stand, and every pledge by which she has bound herself shall stand. But if her father opposes her on that day that he hears of it, no vow of hers, no pledge by which she has bound herself shall stand." and the Lord will forgive her because her father opposed her. If she marries her husband while under her vows or any thoughtless utterance of her lips by which she has bound herself, 
and her husband hears of it and says nothing to her on the day that he hears, then her vows shall stand, and her pledges by which she has bound herself shall stand. But if on the day that her husband comes to hear of it, he opposes her, then he makes void her vow that was on her, and the thoughtless utterance of her lips by which she bound herself, and the Lord will forgive her. Verse 9, But any vow of a widow or of a divorced woman, anything by which she has bound herself, shall stand against her. Verse 10, And if a woman or if she vow in her husband's house or bound herself by a pledge with an oath, and her husband heard of it and said nothing to her and did not oppose her, then all her vows shall stand, and every pledge by which she bound herself shall stand. But if her husband makes them null and void on the day that he hears them, then whatever proceeds out of her lips concerning her vows or concerning her pledge of herself shall not stand. Her husband has made them void, and the Lord will forgive her. Verse 13, Any vow or any binding oath to afflict herself, her husband may establish or her husband may make void. But if her husband says nothing to her from day to day, then he establishes all her vows or all her pledges that are upon her. He has established them because he said nothing to her on the day that he heard of them. But if he makes them null and void after he has heard of them, then he shall bear her iniquity. These are the statutes that the Lord commanded Moses about a man and his wife and about a father and his daughter while she is in her youth within her father's house. So let's explore vows then. Let's explore vows then. Uh, can I have the next slide? You may have already noticed that my recent sermons have adopted a standard outline. I discussed the issue as it was understood then. I next, ex I next attempt to explain as it should be understood today. Metaphorically, then and today are separated by a chasm. Here lies the challenge of Bible interpretation. You see, the chasm represents the difference between then and today in terms of history, geography, culture, circumstances, even technology, among other things. Crossing the chasm from then to today can be hazardous. Some never made the crossing. They remained stuck on then. Some began crossing but never make it to the other side. They got lost somewhere between then and today. Or they arrived at some strange shore mistakenly thinking it to be today. Yet others 
successfully make the crossing by careful exegesis and application undergirded by much prayer, thereby bringing the timeless Word of God to bear in a timely way. Well, I say this because I want to help you all to understand that whenever you pick up this ancient text, you must realize it's first is spoken to the people living at that time, in that culture, in those circumstances. As responsible interpreters of God's Word, you need to be able to learn how to cross from then to the day today because we live in a different time. We live in a different place. We live in a different culture. We have different language from them. So let's come back to the vows then. Let me put up this for you. Here's the summary chart for Numbers chapter 30. I listed the different categories of persons making the vows. Also the occasions when they are bound by their vows and the occasions when they are released from them. Allow me to offer a few observations here. Firstly, okay, let me pause a moment here. Uh, some, do you want to take, some of you want to take a photograph, is it? No? Okay, next slide, please. Firstly, these laws are called case laws. They apply to the common cases likely to be encountered in daily life. They aren't meant to be detailed principles. They don't cover every possible situation. For example, the case of a young boy while living in his father's house. Or the case of an unmarried older woman. These laws don't happen to deal with those particular circumstances. They are case laws, not comprehensive treatments of every possible scenario. Secondly, these laws concern mainly women. Earlier, it's the case of daughters inheriting their father's estate when he had no sons. Now, it's the case of a young girl or a married woman making a vow or binding herself by a pledge while under male authority. Specific issues concerning men's vows or pledges are not dealt with here, other than the brief statement in verse 2. Now, I want, to, I want to say this. This doesn't imply that Israelite men are necessarily wiser when it comes to making vows. Jephthah, the Old Testament judge mentioned earlier, didn't fare well at all. So one Old Testament scholar explained, vows were frequent during war, times of crisis. And Israel was about to engage in a long campaign of conquest. During this war, the wives of the Transjordanian warriors will be left on their own. So the question of vows made in their husband's absence might arise. You see, concern for the safety of their father or husband, some of these women might have bound themselves with an oath. Oh God! If you will see to the safe return of my father, if you will see to the safe return of my husband, I will, I don't know, give away half of what I own? Possible. 
These laws are intended to guard against the thoughtless utterance of her lips. You see, they open the way for the father or husband to void the vow, freeing the woman from a rash promise or pledge made in a moment of crisis or fear. And the Lord will forgive her. Thirdly, these laws exhibit care for the family. The concluding verse frames the issue within the familiar context. A man and his wife, a father and his daughter, while she is in her youth, within her father's house. You see, these laws preserve the divine order of male headship. They also, they also seek to promote harmony within the household. Now, the classic example here is Hannah, Samuel's mother. She has bound herself with a Nazarite vow. For the sake of her son or her unborn son, she bound herself with a vow. Her husband, Elkanah, allowed it by taking no action. He implicitly agreed with his wife's arrangement concerning the child. He understood how much this meant for his wife. So Elkanah allowed his wife to make that vow. He understands where the wife is coming from. After all, she has been grieving for many years for the Lord to give her a child. And when the first child comes along, she is willing to dedicate this child to the Lord. Elkanah, her husband, understood. He understood how his wife felt and he agrees to that vow. You see, vows thoughtlessly and rashly taken without the understanding and support of family members can jeopardize relationships. And the Lord cares for the family. And so the Lord provides a way out. Her husband or her father may establish her vow or void it. Those were the vows then. Those were how the Israelites practiced when it comes to making vows. What about today? Do vows still apply to Christians? What does Jesus say about them? Let's evaluate vows today. Here I attempt to cross from then to today. Vows do appear in the New Testament. At the end of his second missionary journey, the Apostle Paul had his hair cut off because of a vow he had taken. Acts chapter 18, verse 18. Much later, the elders of the church in Jerusalem advised Paul to join four men who are under a vow in their purification rites and pay for their expenses in order to diffuse false rumours spreading about Paul. Acts chapter 21, verse 23 to 24. Today, however, vows have largely disappeared from Christian worship and practice. So here then, I put together, I pull together some important truths about vows today. Here are five of them. Let me go through them one by one. Number one, they don't make you more spiritual. They don't make you more spiritual. You are not spiritually better off when making a vow. Your faith is not necessarily stronger. 
God is not necessarily more pleased with you. Instead, you make yourself beholden to God. Vows make you a debtor. You are expected to pay up promptly. You see, whenever vows are encountered in the Bible, more often than not, warnings follow them. You know, as a marriage solemnizer, I always warn couples not to enter, not to utter their marriage vows casually. If you, you, you see me solemnizing a marriage, I always warn them before the marriage itself, before the wedding itself, during the solemnization itself, I warn them, be careful. Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 21 to 23, if you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay fulfilling it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. But if you refrain from vowing, you will not be guilty of sin. You shall be careful to do what has passed your lips, for you have voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God what you have promised with your mouth. You see, it is not a sin to refrain from making a vow. It keeps you from incurring guilt. Vows don't make you more spiritual. It don't make you look better. Instead, they bind you until you fulfill it. Number two, they can get you into serious trouble. Vows can be abused. Some use them to evade responsibility. You see, self-imposed pledges mustn't interfere with God-given duties. Our Lord Jesus picked this up. For Mark chapter 7, verse 11 to 13. But if you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is korban. I promise this to God already. I dedicated this to God already. That is given to God. Then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother. Thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. You see, korban is a type of vow. Yes, it is. It is a gift dedicated to God. Some have used it as a pretext to sidestep one's obligation to one's aged parents. Now, this doesn't please God at all. Well, I, I make a dedication to God. Well, it's a gift to God. It doesn't please God at all. It offends God because you fail to honour your father and your mother. Vows can be abused. Some have used it to sidestep their responsibility or their obligation to others. Now, some vows are not easily repaid. Rashly uttered, they left some in a lurch with no way of fulfilling them. Acts chapter 23, verse 12. You remember this? When it was day, the Jews made a plot and bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. Did they succeed? No. It didn't go according to plan at all. Their plot to ambush Paul was thwarted. 
He was delivered into the safekeeping of the Roman governor and later the Roman emperor. But their oaths not to eat or drink still stand. Jiala! Cannot eat, cannot drink, no. Not one or two days, no. How? What happened? Then, there is Ananias and Sapphira. They sold a piece of property but kept back some of the money instead of giving it all to the Lord as they had promised. Lord, we will sell this property and we will give everything to the Lord. But they didn't do that. Their subterfuge, well, their subterfuge was discovered. They died for lying to God. You see, vows can get you into serious trouble. Number three, avoid making them if possible. Avoid making them if possible. Vows, pledges, oaths, promises, in God's eyes, they are all one and the same. You can't say this to God. Nah? I didn't vow what? I only make a promise. Bopake, ah? Somehow thinking that promises are breakable compared to vows. No. You promise, it's a vow. Jesus took the Jewish teachers to task on this. Remember this? Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 to 36. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. What does Jesus mean here? You see, according to these Jewish teachers, how one swore determines whether the oath is binding or non-binding. That means you can break it. If one swore by God, it is binding. You cannot break it. However, if one swore by heaven or by earth or by Jerusalem or by one's head, it isn't binding. You can break it. Jesus debunked this teaching. Nonsense. Instead, he thought this, whatever one swears by, he invokes God. If by heaven, it is the throne of God. If by earth, it is his footstool. If by Jerusalem, it is his city. If by your head, it is also his, for he is your creator. God owns everything. There's nothing on earth you can swear by that God does not own. So be careful. Our Lord Jesus is saying this, there are no loopholes. You make a promise, you have to keep it. Better not to vow at all than to think there is a way around it. That's what our Lord Jesus advised. Don't vow at all. Better not to vow than try after saying it, you regret it and try to find a way around it. There's no way around it. So avoid making vows if possible. Number four, if you don't need them if you are a person of your word. You don't need them if you are a person of your word. You see, vows ought to be reserved only for occasions of great and lasting significance. Like at a marriage solemnization, 
For marriage is a lifelong commitment. And couples exchanging vows in the presence of God befits that sacred moment. There may be other occasions when oaths are required, like before the commissioner of oaths, or in a court of law. On most occasions, your word ought to be enough. Our Lord Jesus, following on the episode, says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Or later on, in James chapter 5, verse 12, Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned. So here's the advice from our Lord Jesus himself. Be a person of your word. Be a person of resolute integrity. Be a person others can trust. Then no oath or vow will be needed. There's no need to add anything more. Like, in my time, cross my heart and hope to die. You know, have you heard this? I don't know. This is my time. Ah. I don't know whether your time is, what is it now? Huh? Cross my heart and hope to die. You don't need them if you are a person of your word. Yes, I will do this. No, I can't. Let me think about this. Perhaps, I'm not sure. Can I confirm this later? Number five, should they be needed, remember, remember this, should they be needed that they invoke the name of God? It doesn't matter to whom the oath is given, Christian or non-Christian. It doesn't matter what the occasion is, religious or secular. It doesn't matter where it is given, church or court of law. It doesn't matter whether you, whether you place your hand on a Bible or not. It doesn't matter whether God's name is explicitly mentioned or not. Christians, all of us who believe in Jesus Christ, bear the name of God. Their oaths are therefore binding, for they always invoke His holy name. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. This is how I interpret misusing the name of the Lord. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. God's name is holy. God called his people to be holy. You are representatives of him. Everything you utter, you represent God. So when you make a vow, you must honour it. So know this then. Careless making of vows can cause you to misuse the name of God. So be careful. So how did I do? Do you think I've succeeded crossing from then to today? Take a look at the... Truths about vows today. Number one, 
they don't make you more spiritual. Number two, they can get you into serious trouble. Number three, avoid making them if possible. Number four, you don't need them if you are a person of your word. And number five, should they be needed, remember that they always invoke the name of God. You know, I regretted making that vow, not because it's not my desire to go full-time Christian ministry, but I realized that it, is, it isn't needed at all. If conditions have happened that uh, does not allow me to go, I'll be in trouble. Because I make the vow, do you know how long before circumstances allowed me to go full-time? Five years. Five years after I made the vow. I was very worried because of the warning from scriptures. Five years. The first year I thought I could do it, did not happen. The second year I thought I could do it, it did not take place. The third year, the fourth year, the fifth year, only when it comes to the sixth year, I managed to fulfill what I promised God. God is extremely gracious. What I realized one thing over the years I learned, I shouldn't need to make the vow. If God calls me, I will know and I will come. But in, in, my, in my youth, in my ignorance, in my desire to serve God, I vowed something. Well, maybe another time I'll tell you what that is. I made a vow and God actually fulfilled it incredibly, miraculously in a few hours. Boom, he fulfilled it. That's why I got that warning. Vincent, you be very careful. Huh? You just bow to the Lord. You make sure you keep your promise. Fulfill it. That's why I panicked and for five years I could not keep the vow. So, be careful. God knows. People may not hear, but God knows what you say and what you utter to Him. And I pray that in your conversation with the Lord, or in your interaction with one another, be very careful. For this is the warning today, that we ought to be circumspect in what we say to one another and what we say to the Lord, especially in a time of crisis. I always advise uh, people that in a time of crisis, when you are panicking, don't make a decision. Bad time to make a decision. Calm down first. Pray first. Don't say anything. Let a few days pass. Don't utter, Lord, Lord, if you deliver me from this, I will. And that's a vow. If some of you have done this, I trust that in His grace and in His mercy, if you acknowledge this to Him, may He forgive you. If not, if it is in your power to keep that vow, can I suggest to you, keep it, honour it, fulfil it. So did I bring a timely word this morning? Did I successfully cross from then to today? I pray that I did. I pray that God has spoken to you, or at least to some of you. I pray that you know what to do about vows after today. If things are still un unclear to you, go to God. Say this to Him. 
Speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. Let us pray. In a short while, we'll be singing the response song, Speak, O Lord. I purposely choose this because I realize that as a preacher here, I don't always successfully cross from then to today. I sometimes get lost in between because I'm still learning. Or sometimes I may reach today, but I'm not covered sufficiently the various angles that are there. So that's why I encourage all of you, whenever you hear a sermon and a pastor or a preacher up here attempts to make a crossing from then to today, first pray for the pastor or the preacher because it's not easy. Secondly, However the sermon goes, you can always do this after the sermon. Lord, if there's something I need to know, if there's something I need to learn, if there's something I need to practice today, and I'm still unclear about what the sermon says today, say this to the Lord, Speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. Trust me, the Lord will speak. So remember this. Vows don't make you more spiritual. They can cause you serious trouble. If it depends on you, avoid making them if possible. And remember this. If you grow to be a person of your word, a man and woman of integrity, you don't need them at all. People will trust you. However, if the situation should arise where it is required, remember they invoke the name of God. So don't take it casually but pray to God for the ability to keep it and the Lord will help you. The Lord will render you the power to keep what you owe Him. Heavenly Father, a topic like this, O Lord, may not be applicable to many here. Perhaps applicable to the one about to face their marriage vows very soon. But nevertheless, O oh Lord, the word this morning tells us to be careful what we utter. For every word that comes out of our mouth, God will hold us to it. And Lord, I believe with all my heart, as I myself am guilty of, and many a times we utter rash vows, not realising that that is exactly what we are making before the Lord, in His very holy presence. But the Lord in His grace, Lord, you say we are guilty of sin if we don't pay back. But nevertheless, many a times we experience your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness. But that doesn't mean, O oh Lord, we can repeat them again. So this morning, since they have heard this sermon, 
I pray, dear Lord, they will be especially guarded, circumspect in how they speak. So that, Lord, they do so in a way and manner that will honour and glorify your name. There will be people who can say yes and others will say, I believe. And people who say no and others know that they meant it. Help them to grow, Lord, to be the kind of people that like Jesus. So, Heavenly Father, whether this sermon or any other sermons, it is our desire when we are here, when we, when we take time to listen, what we really want to hear is not the voice of the preacher or the pastor, but the very voice of God. So, Lord, as we respond with this song, speak, O Lord, will you do this not just today, but every day, so that, Lord, when we hear you speaking to us, we may be comforted to know, O Lord, that you not only care about us, but you desire to have an intimate relationship with us. So open our ears to hear you. Open our hearts to believe what you say. Open our minds to understand. And grant us the will to obey you with all our heart, soul, strength and mind. We give you thanks. We give you praise. And in his name we pray and let everyone say, Amen.